Pray with me, please. Give me Jesus, Lord. Give me Jesus. You can have all the rest. Just give me Jesus. Amen. Do you know the name George O'Leary? George O'Leary enjoyed a fairly successful tenure as the head football coach at Georgia Tech. And then one day in December of 2001, George O'Leary's greatest dream in life came true. On that day, he was named the head football coach at the University of Notre Dame, undoubtedly one of the most coveted coaching positions in all of college football. However, just two days later, George O'Leary's great dream turned into a nightmare. It was revealed that he had lied on his resume. And as a result, he was forced to resign immediately in disgrace. Now, I suppose there might be some who would say that in spite of that, George O'Leary managed to land on his feet because now George O'Leary is the coach at the University of Central Florida in Orlando. But dear friends, let me tell you something. I know UCF in Orlando, and UCF is no Notre Dame. The fact of the matter is, George O'Leary paid a terrible price for violating the Ninth Commandment, the commandment where God prohibits the telling of lies. Now, I know, sad to say, what George O'Leary did is really not so unusual these days. As a matter of fact, I was rather startled to read the results of a recent survey of three million job applications in the United States, and that study revealed that right at one half of those resumes contained one or more falsehoods. Staggering. There is a major problem in the society in which we are living with telling the truth. In a recent column, Time magazine expressed it this way. The injunction against bearing false witness branded in stone, brought down by Moses from the mountaintop, has always provoked conflicting emotions. On the one hand, nearly everyone condemns lying. On the other hand, nearly everyone does it nearly every day. I believe that may well be true. I would even go so far as to suggest that this ninth commandment is the commandment broken far more frequently than any or all of the other nine commandments. Mark Twain, with his rather incisive wit, once stated that he had discovered in his life 869 different ways to tell a lie. Whew. Well, I don't know about that calculation, but I do know this. 
There are many, many people who would never dream of killing or stealing, but who would tell a lie at the drop of a hat. That's why it's so important for us to remember this ninth commandment. You see, we in life are expected to be truth-tellers. And therefore, if we are going to lie, then we need to understand that it's going to hurt us, it's going to hurt other people, it may even hurt the nation in which we live. I believe that's why God made this one of the commandments. Number nine, thou shalt not bear false witness. In other words, thou shalt not lie. The book of Proverbs puts it like this. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who are truthful. Here's the way I like to say it. Lying is the opposite of loving. Think about that. Now that's the theme that I want to play out for us right now. Lying is the opposite of loving. The first thing that I want to say is this that lying hurts all of us because lying creates in our nation a culture of deceit. You and I know perfectly well uh, that things like truth, honesty, integrity, and trust are the glue which holds a nation or a society together. The fact of the matter is, people cannot live together without trust and honesty. And therefore, when honesty takes a holiday in the experience of a nation, when truth-telling is set aside in the lives of people, trust is gone. And when trust is gone, hope is gone. And when hope is gone, Sooner or later, the nation is gone. Daniel Burstyn, until his retirement, was the director of the Library of Congress in Washington. Recently, in a speech, he delivered these words. Listen, we are living in a nation so caught up in lying through its advertising and propaganda and even our daily conversations with one another that we are actually imperiling the very life of our states. He may have a point. Let me come at it this way. Occasionally we hear of a college student who is caught cheating and is then expelled from school. And we tend to say to ourselves in the face of that kind of instance, what in the world would lead a person to do something like that? Well, I'll tell you what. More than likely, that individual, when he was age eight, 
heard his dad say that the clerk in the department store had given him back too much change, but he had simply stuffed it in his pocket and thanked his lucky stars. When he was 10, he heard his mom and dad discussing how they might cut a few corners on their income taxes. It was all right because, after all, everyone was doing it. When he was 12, he broke his glasses. And he then listened as his mother called the insurance company to report to them that the glasses were stolen, not broken, so that the insurance company would pay the replacement costs. When he got his first job in the supermarket, they were very careful to teach him how to always put the best fruit on the top and the overripe fruit underneath. When he went to high school, his coach taught him how to surreptitiously catch hold of a jersey while throwing a block, or how to use a deliberately delivered elbow in order to stop an opposing player from driving in for a layup. And then when he went to college, he discovered that he could purchase already prepared research papers. Or he could simply go to the files in the fraternity house and find the answers to tests because complacent professors hadn't created new tests in years. And so he's caught cheating in college and he's expelled. And everyone is surprised when in fact, it shouldn't be any surprise at all. You see, dear friends, when honesty takes a holiday in a nation's experience, when truth-telling is set aside in people's lives, terrible things happen. The whole society becomes polluted. It begins to affect and infect everyone. And as a result, all kinds of things happen. For example, building codes or quality controls or fire safety standards are no longer trustworthy. We begin to expect the worst from the TV repairman or the auto mechanic or the furniture salesman. A doctor's Hippocratic oath is rendered meaningless. Lawyers come to be seen as experts not in upholding the law, but in getting around the law. Marriages are built on promises that were never intended to be kept. National leaders are regarded not so much for the quality of their leadership as their ability to speak out of both sides of their mouths. You see, when we start to bend the truth, cut corners, look the other way, allow advertising to become a not-so-subtle tissue of lies, uh, hand answers across the top of the table, or money and payoffs under the table, when we begin to let honesty take a holiday in a nation's life, then what else could happen? but that the whole fabric of our society shall become worn and torn. Take the case of Henry Durham. Henry Durham was the production manager for a large corporation 
a corporation which did much business with our Defense Department. And in the process of his responsibilities, Henry Durham began to realize that some improper business practices were being condoned by his company. He went to the company officials with the matter. Nothing changed. Finally, he decided to go to the authorities. An investigation ensued, an investigation which revealed that those improprieties had cost American taxpayers $2 billion. Now, what happened to Henry Durham as a result? He lost his job. He was ostracized by his friends. He even had threats against his life. And after all of that, do you know what Henry Durham said? He said, I have become disillusioned with the virtues I used to believe in. In other words, now he's going to start lying too. You see, dear friends, when people begin to lie, people sooner or later begin to expect that everyone else is lying as well. And in the face of that, Almighty God says so plainly, Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not lie. I believe it's true that lying is the opposite of loving. And therefore, if we love America, then we've got to find a way to stop lying in our everyday lives. Now, that brings me to the next thing I wish to say. It's this, that there are three guiding principles to help us become obedient to the ninth commandment. Principle number one, we ought always to stand for the truth no matter the cost. George Orwell once said, in a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. If that is true, and I believe it is, then dear friends, you and I as Christians today are called to be revolutionaries. Because believe me, we are living in a time of universal deceit. We are surrounded by lies on every hand. There are the lies that business people tell. Putting their own spin on things in order to enhance the bottom line or in order to feed their own bottom line. And now we have some very prominent business executives spending time in jail for doing just that. There are the lies that academics tell. The biggest lie on campus today is this, 
that there is no universal truth. There are only different versions of reality. Uh, that's what's called postmodernism. It's nothing but a big lie. But it enables academics to then go on and tell all kinds of other lies. There are the lies that politicians tell, particularly during political campaigns. After all of the attack ads and broken promises, little wonder that voters seem to be more cynical than ever. There are even the lies that journalists tell. You see, when the story becomes more important than the truth, then the line between fact and fantasy becomes very blurry. And we have seen that happen so many times recently in our national media. We are surrounded by lies. It is little wonder that recent studies indicate that less than half, less than half, God help us, less than half of all Christian young people believe that there is a universal standard of truth. How incredibly sad. In this time of cultural deceit, Chuck Colson calls our society today the post-truth society, in this time, we as Christians are called to be the people of truth. Whatever other lies other people may tell in their lives, you and I as Christians are called, yes, to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us God. That's principle number one. We ought always to stand for the truth, no matter the cost. Principle number two, we ought never to articulate our assumptions as if they were facts. I learned about a wonderful Christian woman who suffered a terminal illness. This wonderful lady made the decision that she would share that only with the members of her family and with her priest. As a result of that, the priest began to visit her regularly in her home, ministering to her in the last days of her life. There were some neighbors who noticed the priest coming to the home on a regular basis, and they made some evil and iniquitous assumptions about that woman, and they began to spread those assumptions far and wide. Three months later, the woman was dead, and the truth was revealed. At that point, those neighbors actually went to the priest and confessed what they'd done and sought God's forgiveness. That was a good thing to do. That was the right thing to do. But you see, it was too late for a good woman who was gone. Martin Luther said, reputation is quickly stolen, not quickly returned. Principle number two, let us never articulate our assumptions as if they were facts. Principle number three, we ought never to be tale bearers or 
tail listeners. Are you aware of the fact that it is just as much a crime to pass counterfeit money as it is to print it? Just so. Passing along counterfeit stories in our lives is wrong. It results in broken reputations, fractured friendships, shattered families. In my own life, I know only too well the pain that can come when there are others who tell lies about you. I would even go so far as to say that careless words can actually kill. I could point you to a suicide, which I know occurred because a false and malicious story was spread far and wide. Dear friends, when we are confronted with stories passing to us from others, we ought to ask ourselves three questions. Is what's being said true? Is what's being said required to be said in this conversation? If the person about whom it is being said were here, would this be said? If we can't answer those questions, if our words can't pass that test, then we need to be silent. We ought never to be tail bearers. We ought never to be tail listeners either. If gossip is wrong, listening to it is just as wrong. There's a great old rabbinic teaching which goes like this. Slander kills three. The one of whom it is spoken. The one who speaks it. And the one who listens to it. And so when someone is trying to pass a counterfeit story to us, how do we respond? Interrupt. Stop it. Say very simply, listen, I'd really rather not talk about that if you don't mind. Or, <laughs> I, you could really go this far if you wanted to. You could say, wait, wait, wait. Before we engage in this conversation, let's stop and pray. Ooh, I want to tell you that'll stop gossip in its tracks every time. That's principle number three. We ought never, never to be tail bearers or tail listeners. seems to me that I've come full circle. Lying is the opposite of loving. And therefore, dear friends, I plead with us all. Let's put truth and honesty back to work in America. Let's put truth and honesty back to work in our lives. For then we shall be loving one another in a very profound and practical way. And we shall be blessed. And the people around us shall be blessed. And even this nation shall be blessed.
That's why God says so clearly, thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not lie. That's what he says. He says what he means. He means what he says. Pray with me, please. God on high, hear my prayer. Enable us to always be truth-tellers, remembering that you detest lying lips, but you delight in those who are truthful. Amen.